Uh, we're going to open up the Word of God together. Uh, I want to go through a couple of announcements with you before that. So, yeah, thank you. I'll just uh, get right into the announcements while you're finding your seats. First of all, we have prayer every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Just an hour of prayer. It's online. You are encouraged to come and pray together. Uh, secondly, we have a baptism scheduled for May 5th. That's Sunday, May 5th, and we'll have food afterwards. So if you are a Christian and you have not been baptized, it's one of the two things the Lord told us to remember, uh, to take communion and to be baptized. So uh, talk with myself and uh, gladly talk with you about that, and we'll get you baptized on May 5th. Uh, also, Life Group, uh, that's at our house on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 uh, there's our address right there. If you need a ride, you can contact uh, Joni or myself. Those are our cell phone numbers. We're studying the book of Philippians. For those of you who have been coming to Life Group, uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, and I want you to read verses 19 to 30. Philippians 2, 19 through 30. And I want you to read that and come prepared. Paul mentions two people. So I want you to read it and ask yourself, why does he bring up these two guys? And what are we supposed to learn from that? That's the question I'm asking of the text, and I'll be working on that, and then we'll come together. We usually have some food, and then we open the Bible and love on each other and pray for each other, and uh, it's a great time. Additionally, um, that's all for the way I have for the screen, but out on our little map out in the foyer... We have a picture of a young man named Lonnie Camacho. Some of you know Lonnie, all right? Lonnie presented his, uh, what he's doing. Uh, he's with Crew. Anybody ever heard of Crew? All right. <laughs> Lonnie is uh, full-time serving the Lord overseas right now with Crew. And I'm just bringing that to your attention because he's fully funded. He's in country, finally. And... Um, Companion to that, uh, our sister Val spent some time in Saudi this past summer, and she has uh, a sheet of paper that she's put together with prayer requests. Uh, Lonnie is in that region of the world, so I think a lot of the prayer requests are typical for that part of the world, uh, being in Islam. <clears throat> so I just wanted you to know that. We support Lonnie as a church, 100 bucks a month. Uh, you support Lonnie as a church, and uh, he's very grateful for that. Uh, he got his hair cut, he's learning Arabic, and he's trying to uh, infiltrate uh, the culture over there. And then lastly, um, there's four baby bottles left that have not been claimed and filled with money to support our local pregnancy care center. So I challenge you, if you haven't grabbed a bottle, they're out on the table where you got your name tag, grab that baby get it? Uh, <laughs> put some money in it and bring it back here. All right? Yeah. And finally, if you need a Bible, our usherette Mumi is... <laughs> Anybody need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll put a Bible in your hands as we go through the scriptures this morning. I guess we're good, Mumi. Thank you. Genesis 24. We are making our way through the book of Genesis... Last week, chapter 23. This week, chapter 24. It's a long chapter. 67 verses long. We're going to do them all. It won't take that long because 
Well, because the chapter breaks down into four parts as I see it. Uh, verses 1 through 9 are what I would call the commission of the servant. Verses 10 through 32 are the journey. 33 to 60 are the testimony. And then finally, verse 61 to 67 is the marriage. This whole chapter is one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. It is a love story. It is about a father who wants a bride for his son, Isaac. It's Abraham sending out his servant to call a bride to and provide a bride for his son, Isaac. The last time we saw Isaac was on Mount Moriah, where the father, Abraham, had offered him as a sacrifice to God, and then, figuratively speaking, a replacement was provided, and he was raised from the dead. And so we had the gospel right there in Genesis 22. The father sacrificing the son, the son coming back to life. And interestingly enough, Isaac has not been seen since that happened. Now, the father is sending out a servant to gather up a bride for his son, who at this point is still remains unseen. And so if you're tracking with me, that is pretty much the gospel right there. The father sent his son into the world because he loves the world that much. That the son would give his life as a ransom for the sin of the world, rise again for the, from the dead, to free you from your slavery to yourself, to come into an understanding of how great God is, and to be receiving the Holy Spirit into our life to seal us until the day we finally go to be with him, with Jesus, and we'll see him face to face. It's the love story of the ages, and it is a joy to preach it to you this morning. This whole chapter really revolves around the unnamed servant. It's, he's the main player in this whole chapter. As the servant is commissioned and called and commanded, I guess you'd say, by the father, Abraham. And he sends him back to his homeland to get a bride for his son. And then at the close of the chapter, we see the two of them in just classic Hollywood fashion. <laughs> I mean, they just meet eyes and it's happily ever after. So, let's go through. It says, verse 1, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. That is a short statement for a long life, somebody once said. He had blessed Abraham in all things, in his work, in his warfare, in his marriage. He blessed him in the times of his own horrible failure, of unbelief. He blessed him in times of great success. He had blessed him in all things because that's what God wants to do is to bless your life. And sometimes he takes us through some of the most challenging things in life so that when we come out of it, we're a little bit better off. We're blessed by him. Take joy in your trials and your testings, brothers and sisters. The Lord is at work in us. 
Well, it says in verse 2, And Abraham said to his servant, The oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had. Now, I want to say to you, right as we begin, that it's, it seems clear to me, and I hope it becomes clear to you, that this unnamed servant is very much a type of the Holy Spirit. You hearing me? He's very much a type of the Holy Spirit, which makes perfect sense because after Jesus rose again from the dead and ascended back to the Father, the Father, Jesus, together, sent the Holy Spirit to gather in a bride for the Son, to receive the finished work of Christ for our own sin, to become believers and to follow him all the days of our life, to receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, assurance and evidence that he lives in us. And so you'll see this. He really becomes, I think it's interesting, he said he had charge of all that he had. Everything that the father had was placed in the care of this servant. Now, the servant most likely is a man named Eliezer. And I say that because back in chapter 15, verse 2, and I'll just read it. O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continued childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So in Abraham's travels, he employed this man named Eliezer. Interestingly enough, his name, Eliezer, his name means God is help. Wow. Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving, but I will send another helper, <laughs> referring to the Holy Spirit. So it just kind of strengthens in my mind that uh, that's who this servant is a type of. But brothers and sisters, I don't want to over typify the thing, if I can say it that way. This really happened. This is a true story of a man and a woman, a woman named Rebecca will meet this woman. She'll become the wife of Isaac, the son. But it also figures what the church in Jesus Christ. So Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Weird. Let's admit it. The Bible says some weird things sometimes. All right. As near as we can tell, uh, what that is indicating is that the covenant that God had given Abraham had everything to do with his offspring, the descendants that would come from him through Isaac and would blossom into a people group. And they would live in a very particular place. It was people in the land. And so it seems like it's... Um, it's bringing us close to Abraham's reproductive organs. And it's just making him aware that there is a loving covenant between God the Father and Abraham. And it all has to do with the offspring that will come. Obviously, Isaac is not married. And for the fulfillment of the covenant, he needs to have children. And the story needs to continue. You with me? So it seems like that's uh, likely what this is all referring to here. Verse 3, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth and God of the earth, 
that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Why was the question I asked. So I went to my Bible dictionary and I looked up Canaanites and there's actually quite a bit written. It's very interesting. There was a man up in northern Lebanon who was farming years ago. And with his plow, he discovered under the earth a vault. Archaeologists got involved, and from that vault, they extracted clay tablets that told us a lot about Canaanite culture. So here's what we learned. They were deeply religious people, complete with ceremonies and sacrifices and priests. They were highly sexualized. There was lots and huge amount of temple prostitution, actually, all because they were trying to appease the great god Baal. If you've read your Old Testament, that guy comes up often in your Old Testament. Ashtoreth, Asherah poles, idols, symbols of uh, ways to appease the gods. They were mystical and they were mythological they were actually very violent and cruel in war. So no wonder <laughs> Abraham's like, I don't want my son marrying one of those girls. I want my son to marry someone who comes from the family. So even here in the earliest texts of the Old Testament, we have the principle that gets laid down for us even in the New Testament, where Paul tells us in Corinthians that you brothers and sisters in Christ should marry only in the Lord. Okay? In other words, the one that you are considering a life together with should be somebody who is serving the Lord, is truly been born again of the Spirit, baptized, Spirit-filled, and sold out for Jesus, a living sacrifice, as Eric reminded us. So, I don't want you, my wife to, I don't want, you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, and here's the covenant, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So, the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So he took the vow. And that's, that's the commission. That's the first part of this amazing love story. The servant agreed that he would do everything that Abraham had said, that he will do only what he has said, that he will go where he wanted him to go, that he will not do the things you don't want me to do. And in the end, God will be glorified. Essentially, this servant does two things. He obeys and he prays. And he sees God working unseen 
but definitely working behind the scenes. We call that providence. You'll see the providence of God working in just the ordinary, everyday aspects of life, but bringing all to pass. So verse 10, now the journey begins through verse 32. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Nahor was Abraham's brother, okay? He's a brother. Nahor stayed back. Abraham left and went to the promised land. So he travels all the way back to Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, and he goes to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. All right, so apparently the water, so they didn't have indoor plumbing, apparently. So they had this well outside of the city, and there was a gate in the city. And uh, he knew that, he just knew the custom, that if you needed water, probably uh, an everyday, a twice a day event, right? You'd go out, you'd gather water for your food, cooking and cleaning, and, uh, or for drinking, and uh, so he's waiting. He's like, well, my master's son needs a woman, and the women are the one who draw the waters, so I'll hang out here by the well. A lot of interesting things happen by a well of water, in the Old Testament especially, and even in the New Testament. Jesus sat by a well. So while he's waiting, he prays. Oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. He's relying on the loyal love of God to the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And so he's, he's confident that God's made a covenant that from Abraham and from Isaac eventually will come a people group. God can't lie. And so he's anchoring himself in the loyal, steadfast love of God to his word. And that's his prayer. And he says very specifically, I'm deeply instructed by this man because I want to be a better prayer. And he prays very specifically. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink. And I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have sworn steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, isn't that great? Behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. How interesting. Rebekah's life is about to change for the rest of her life. This woman who lives in relative obscurity just is doing her job, so to speak. She's just going out and in care for her family to get some water to bring it back in. This is what she just does. She's just a normal daily activity. Look for the Lord in the normal daily activities of your life, brothers and sisters. God shows up in some of the most natural places in a super natural way. 
to walk in the spirit as this man is literally doing, praying as he's going and just praying in just a very simple way. Lord, would you show yourself faithful to your word as I engage in conversation with this person? Y'all do that? You're talking to somebody who has had big questions in life and you find yourself as they start coming at you, it's like, whoa, it's over my head. I, I don't know how to answer all these deep things that are happening. And so as you're listening and you're listening carefully, you're also subconsciously praying. It's so cool how you can do both things at the same time. And you're just like, Lord, please, I pray, Spirit, you would give a word of knowledge. Help me to hear. Let me see or hear what's really deep inside this person's life that you might speak to them. And so often, because he wants to bless people, that he brings a word. You may not even realize it. It might just come out and you go back home and you're like, that was, I'm not sure anything happened. Oh, but it often does. I've had the experience in the last couple of weeks, to be honest, where the voice of a man named Pastor Bill, actually, who's 87 years old now, but he's the first pastor that I ever sat under for just a few years. And I've listened to Pastor Bill many, many, many times. But I have to tell you, in the last several weeks, for some reason, I hear his teachings coming to my mind, making application to something that I am personally going through. Spoken years and years ago, 35, 38 years ago. Those words do not fall void. They, they're seeds that are planted in your life and, and the Holy Spirit waters those and they'll bring them back up into your mind and they'll bear fruit for you at just the right season in your life. That's why it's a blessing for you, brothers and sisters, to sit here on a Sunday morning with an open Bible and hear the Word of God preached to your soul. Before he had finished speaking, Rebecca shows up. Verse 16. The young woman was very attractive in appearance. A maiden whom no man had known. Now I've got a little asterisk there. A maiden means of marriageable age, which means she was able to bear children, but she was a virgin, someone who no man had known. So we have a young, single, beautiful, available virgin woman shows up at the well. She went down to the spring, down to the spring, and filled her jar and came up. In some cases, the well was just dug as a shaft. In other cases, a well or a spring interchangeable can be a pool of water with a small or whatever size set of staircase, usually cut out of stone, down to the pool of water and then back up the staircase with the pool of, or with the, with the water. So she comes out. She has a jar. Her jar is filled with water. Then the servant ran to meet her and said to her, drink, uh, please, sorry, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. Now notice the adjectives. She quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave her drink. These are the first words of Rebecca. 
How interesting. She doesn't ask his name, where he's from, or why are you here? This complete stranger comes up to this beautiful young lady who's 16 maybe, let's just say, we don't know, but somewhere and young, and says, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She has no idea that God is working in her life because this servant has prayed and he's waiting to see if maybe this is the Lord answering his prayer. And she quickly takes down her jar and she gives him a drink. She's not skeptical, she's not fearful or shy. And when she had finished, verse 19, giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for the camels also until they have finished drinking. The second words that come out of her mouth reveal that Rebecca is kind. She's conscientious of the man's animals, for heaven's sakes. They're just dumb camels. But she recognizes that, you know what? Camels need water. You need water. They need water. She's kind, she's conscientious, and she's enthusiastic in her service to man, and she's generous, verse 20. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. She drew water for all his camels. By the way, camels drink 30 gallons of water in 15 minutes. It's estimated that her jar held three gallons of water. How much does a gallon weigh? Anybody? Pints a pound the world around. Eight pints in a gallon. It's a pound. A gallon's about a pound. She had a three-gallon jar. That's three pounds. 30 gallons per camel. I did the math. That's 24 pounds per jar. 30 gallons per camel, that's 10 trips to the spring per camel. He's got 10 camels. By the time she's done, she's made 100 trips down the stairs and back up again. And all together, she's hauled over a ton of water. 2,400 pounds. Enough to water all those camels. That woman was strong. I'm telling you, she's a strong woman. (laughs) She was strong. She was industrious. She was committed. She was committed. Brothers and sisters, young people, as you are wondering where Mr. Wonderful or Mrs. Wonderful is, I want you to take note. This woman is committed. She said, I will water all your camels until they're done drinking. And for the next hour and a half or two hours, down those stairs, 24 pounds on her shoulder, emptying it in to feed a stupid camel. She's committed. She's faithful to her word. I said I'll do it, I'll do it. And I would imagine by the 85th trip up the stairs, she's like, Dude, just put all your camels near the trough. Can we just get this over with? She was faithful to her word. She persevered to the end. She was a woman of integrity. Rebecca is a wonderful woman. 
No wonder, verse 21, the man gazed at her in silence. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. It seems to me that, you know, his, his asking of the Lord was, Lord, if I say to the woman, please give me a drink, and she gives me a drink, but if I don't ask her to water my camels, but she volunteers to do that anyway, now I know. And so he's waiting. Will she complete the job? By the time she gets completed with the job, verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel, two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels, and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? The third thing she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, who she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. So she added, he didn't ask for food, but she voluntarily gives it. She's hospitable. You see, with this interesting woman, Rebecca, I see as a type of the church of Jesus Christ. She, you, my brothers and sisters, it tells us that she was a very attractive woman. You may look in the mirror and go, I'm not seeing it. But you're not seeing like your Savior sees you. He sees you with no shame, with no guilt. You are lovely and deeply admired and attracted because he's bought you with a price. And you have become his. She's attractive, she's energetic, she's industrious, she perseveres, she's strong and hardworking. She loves people. I think she just loves people. Here's some total stranger, and she doesn't say, well, who are you? And why are you asking me for something? Whoa, back off, bro. I don't, we don't even know each other. And what are you doing here anyway? She doesn't even go there. She's like, oh, another human. Can I lighten your load? Do you need a drink? I'll give you a drink. I'll give your camels a drink. I'll give everybody in the world a drink. She's the bride of Christ. I cannot dis separate her from that truth, the, the New Testament truth. She is a beautiful example of you, of how Jesus sees you, and how we as the church are living in this world that is dying for living water. And she's kind and generous and hospitable. She's not scared. She's not shy. She's not suspicious. She's courageous. She's compassionate. <laughs> Who are you? I'm a son of God. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? <laughs> no wonder. The man puts a, a, gives her a gold ring and two bracelets. Jewelry. Isn't that interesting? Now we have jewelry on the scene. <laughs> jewelry can be a very effective thing, <laughs> right? For men and women, right? He gives her a gold ring. She's set apart. You're off the market now, girl. <laughs> God's claimed you, right? And he gives her two bracelets, one for each arm. 
We're going to find out later, actually, it was a nose ring. Weird. <laughs> right? The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinswoman. So here we have the, the servant. He's praying again. This is the second time. This time it's, it's praise. The first time it was just prayer, straight up request. I'm standing by the spring of water. Now it's praise based on God's loyal love to his covenant and the fact that God would actually use me. I remember this as a famous passage in 2 Samuel when the prophet Nathan comes to David and he says, David, I got good news for you. You're a king, right? Yeah, I got news. Someday there's going to come a king who's going to sit on your throne and he's going to sit on your throne forever. David's like, you must be talking about divine God. Yeah. He's going to come from your family line. By the time Nathan leaves, David goes into the temple and he sits down before the Lord all alone and he says, who am I? Oh, it's so beautiful. This man is like, my goodness, Lord, you've used me. You've led me to just this right place. Verse 28, then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. <laughs> this is so much, this is similar to the woman at the well in John 4, right? She goes running back into the city. I met a man. <laughs> well, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. We're going to learn a lot more about Laban later on. We will, her son, actually Rebecca's son, Jacob, is going to have a little run-in with Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arm and heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. Laban was covetous. I'll just tell you right now, it's a spoiler, okay? The man was attracted to money. He wanted money. He was covetous for money, for stuff. When he saw, in comes his sister, with, she came back different from when she went out. She's got all this jewelry on her that apparently she wasn't wearing. He's like, oh, you've come into wealth. I got to go see this guy. <laughs> so the man, uh, so behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. Verse 31, he said, come in, O blessed to the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house, unharnessed the camels, and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I've said what I have to say. And he said, speak on. Now we enter the third part of this chapter. So we've had the commission, then we've had the journey, and now we're at the point of testimony. The man is basically going to recount everything you and I have just read. And it's one of those passages of scripture, it's like, okay, I guess we'll just go through that again. 
but it shows me the power of a testimony and the power of having a good testimony and a witness. And you ask yourself, well, why does the Lord who wrote the Bible put all this information in here? Why do we have to go through the repeating of the whole thing all over again? It's a good question. I don't know. It's what God did. Actually, I have a hunch. I think it's to confirm to Rebecca the backstory. What you didn't know, girl, now you're going to know. And it's good for the church to hear testimony from brothers and sisters who have come to faith, talking with radio before church started, telling me about a young man down in, that he knows of. Sorry, I won't go into all of it. But that man is now being used mightily by God, had some pretty big problems early in his life. And the, the church that he's attending, he's now overseeing a marriage ministry. The testimony of God's grace, his faithfulness to restore, to forgive, to restore, to give hope. It's not over, brothers and sisters. So here we go, verse 34. We'll just kind of read through. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master. When she was old and to him, he has given all that he has. By the way, by the way, who's speaking? The oldest of Abraham's servants, Eliezer. Eliezer was on the scene long before Isaac was born. And that presents to us sometimes the biggest challenges in our life. When some young thing comes along and takes and gets a position that you thought you were going to get. Being Eliezer and being the oldest, he was entitled to inherit everything Abraham had. But you don't find a trace of jealousy or envy in this man at all because he's representing the heart of God. God wants to see others get elevated and come into a relationship with him. And he'll go to the greatest extreme to see that that happens and giving up his own life for that purpose. And I receive that. I need to hear this. I need to read it. Because I love me. And I can get real anxious inside when I think somebody else is getting more attention than I think I should have. It's like, dude, you need to just chill out. You need to die, quite honestly. The flesh needs to be put to death. And I go to Jesus. And it's like, Lord, I'm going to learn something about your character in this little situation that I have yet to learn. So that there'll be joy and not looking suspiciously out somebody's corner of my eye or thinking bad thoughts about other people. And it's all just pride. It's all just because I think I'm all it. This guy's kind of like John the Baptist. No, no. He must increase. I must decrease. That's what the Lord wants to work in your life and mine. 
And so when you have that situation where you find yourself being very jealous or envious at something about somebody, you take that, you got to have somebody that'll speak into your life or the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. And you take that thing and you go, Lord, that's not of you. That is not of you. That is strictly of my flesh. I've got to put that thing down. I don't want to. I love it. And I find in myself all anxious and angry. And the Lord's like, I want to put joy and peace in your life, Scott. And so you wrestle that out with the Lord. And it's really good. It's really good to come out to the other side of that. And you find yourself actually taking delight in the fact that the Lord's showing up in that other person's life. And you see everything with a different lens now. Verse 37, my master made me swear saying, you shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife from my son. So we're getting all the backstory now. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. I'm presuming, by the way, Rebecca's in the room while this is going on. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife from my son, from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you have come to my clan. And if they will not, if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way I go, that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and... I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her jar, her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who milk a bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. Then Abraham's servant heard his, when Abraham's servant heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. That's worship. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. And when they arose in the morning, he said, time to go. <laughs> it's so interesting. He traveled from Canaan to Mesopotamia. Near as we can tell, it's about a thousand miles. It took him months. He gets all the way there, has a meal, spends the night. It's like, we got to go. It's like, we're not here to do some tourism stuff, okay? <laughs> I'm here to get a bride for my master's son. He's very diligent. Nothing wrong with doing tourism stuff. 
while you're doing your trips. Her brother and her mother said, well, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. A lot of people feel, because we know Laban's character, he's like, dude, you've got a lot of camels loaded with a lot more stuff. If you stay 10 more days, maybe you can offload a little bit more, right? Um, but he said, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered in my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. This is the most beautiful thing. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Will you go? Will you go with the Lord who's calling you today? She's being asked to leave her home never to return, to go meet a man she's never met, to, be, to put her whole life in the hands of this servant and trusting him that he's going to get her all the way back there safely. It's not so much about the prize on the other end. It's about the testimony that has come from this faithful servant that there is a God in heaven who is faithful to his word and he's calling you and me to himself. More than anything, I believe Rebecca is putting her faith solely in God. After having the evidence and the assurance from the jewelry and the, and the boatload of stuff that came from her future's father who has been blessed by God. That's one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It's what happens when someone becomes a Christian. I will go. I've heard the testimony. I know that there's a God who has died for my sin. His name is Jesus. He's the son of the Father. And the Holy Spirit has been witnessing to me through my friends and my family members. And finally you come to the place. I will go. God's providence, man's responsibility in perfect harmony come together with a precious testimony, confession of faith. So they sent away Rebecca, their, their sister, and her nurse. By the way, her nurse's name is Deborah. And Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebecca and a young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. And that closes the third portion. The last portion is just very short and sweet, but it's the meeting. <laughs> the one that she'd heard about, she's now going to see face to face. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahiroi, which means the well of the living God who sees, and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. By the way, uh, the word meditate, if you look it up, it means to muse. You're, he's thinking. What's amuse? 
<laughs> Not thinking. <laughs> He's just thinking. Here we have the father's son, and it seems that he's in prayer, waiting for his bride to arrive. This is Genesis 2 all over again. She has been made by the Spirit of God, and now she's being brought to the man. It's a marriage made in heaven. Verse 63, this makes me laugh. He's out in his field. There's a man out standing in his field, as they say. That's a joke. All right, thank you. Uh, He lifted up his eyes, and what did he see? Camels. That seems so funny to me. It's like, yeah, here come my camels. Like, there's people. Like, it's your servant. That's what men, right? Yeah, I see a 1957 Chevy. Not my girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just whatever. <laughs> he saw camels. <laughs> Rebecca lifted up her eyes. She saw Isaac. <laughs> now, that is a true woman right there. <laughs> I see there's things to do here, woman. I see you, hon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My young friends, I'll tell you what, marriage is wonderful. I'm telling you, it is wonderful. Because your wife is going to see inside of you, young men. She's going to see stuff in you that you're going to be uncomfortable because she's going to bring it up. And you're like, you can't say that out loud. How do you know? How can you possibly know that? Because I know you, believe me. I have this sixth sense about me. And it's true. She saw Isaac. She dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, who's that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it's my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the home that he had prepared for her and took Rebekah she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Is that beautiful or what? It needs very little, if any, commentary. That is the hope of the church. Someday, I will see him face to face. And the love that I experience from his spirit today that's very real and assures me and stabilizes me in spite of all the uncertainties and the fears and grants me the courage to love others unconditionally, someday I will see my Savior. I hope that's true for you. The Lord is calling you today. Will you go? Will you give your life? Here am I, Lord. Here am I. Put your gold in me. Those precious gifts that are yours, that you have. 
the gifts of joy and peace, the stuff that can't be measured. The gift of hope, of your whole nature and being. Let's stand and pray. Here we are, Lord, standing before you. And we see so clearly in this picture the son loving his bride, rejoicing that they're united. Until that day comes, Lord, I pray you would strengthen your bride. I pray that she would continually be that living sacrifice, constantly presenting growing and maturing and becoming more and more in love with you because of your loyal love to us based on what you've accomplished for us. Strengthen your church and send us out to be light and salt in this world, to give drink, living water to those who are dying of thirst. We praise you, Lord. Anoint and bless give power and confidence and let us see you in just the daily, everyday things of our life, praying and obeying as we go. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. And we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll see you next week.